Ready. Okay, we'll just go five seconds and then here we go. Hello, Secret Movie Clubbers, and welcome to Secret Movie Club Podcast 161. Today, we're going to talk about what is a masterpiece, when people call a movie a masterpiece. And we're also going to talk about what I felt is masterpiece inflation creep. And it's really been happening for the last 30, 40 years. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's always been around. But it feels like we're calling too many things a masterpiece. And that's not to knock movies. But I'd love to come up with maybe a different way of talking about things. And we're going to see if uh, we can do that today in our podcast. Who is with us? Uh, hello, America. As John Dillinger was said, I'm immortal. I cannot be destroyed. Something like that. I don't know. Um, I'm here. Uh, I'm alive. And it's wonderful to have you. That's that's the one and only Edwin Caesar Gomez. Edwin and I are are it's a partnership today. Uh, upcoming pods, we're going to have Alex Olivier, Daniel Ott, the whole team. Uh, but Edwin and I wanted to jumpstart this again, so we're uh, we're, we're we're taking one for the team. Um, when you hear this, it will be uh, Friday, uh, December first. Tomorrow is our first huge event uh, at the Million Dollar Theater for December. Rear Window, Blue Velvet, both on 35 millimeter. Uh, it is going to be off the hook. We got an amazing Blue Velvet print. Uh, if you didn't know it, David Lynch was inspired partly to do Blue Velvet from Rear Window. Uh, and it's interesting when you look at the timeline because no one had seen Rear Window in 10 years. Uh, and then it was re-released in 1983. David Lynch might have gone to go see it. And uh, then uh, he wrote after Dune, Blue Velvet, and then he made Blue Velvet in 85 and it came out in 85, 86. But that's story for another time. Next Wednesday is our secret filmmaking workshop. Uh, these things are growing. We'd love to have you. Our writer slots are filled. Basically, we have a number of scenes and then uh, we have a number of performers. And we're actually in 2024 going to move to doing staged readings. Uh, we're going to have people shoot sizzle reels or proof of concept. So if you want to be part of making movies and building filmmaking community, please be part of uh, the uh, Secret Movie Club filmmaking workshop, Secret Filmmaking Workshop uh, on Wednesday, December 6th. We have performer slots. So just write us at community at secretmovieclub.com and you can get your actors passed. And we recommend even for writer directors that they start as an actor because it really gives you a respect for how to be a good director. On uh, Thursday, December 7th, we're showing one of my favorite Francis Ford Coppola movies, Rumblefish, uh, from 1983. And then we're actually going to do a podcast on Rumblefish and Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, it really, I think, one of the last truly great uh, Francis Ford Coppola movies. Although there are actually a lot after that. But we'll talk about it. I love Coppola. Even his work after Rumblefish. Tucker. I like Godfather 3. I love Dracula. I'm actually a fan of Rainmaker. I like Tetro. We'll uh, we'll get into it. I know Rainmaker is the is my hot take, but we'll, we'll talk about that. And then just go to uh, secretmovieclub.com or eventbrite.com to see all the events we're doing. Coming up, we're doing North by Northwest and Vertigo on 35 at the million dollar. King Kong versus Godzilla on 35 at the million dollar. Uh, we are doing It's a Wonderful Life on 35 at the million dollar. Uh, we got some bangers. So please join us. And then Children of Men on 35 millimeter at the Secret Movie Club Theater. Uh, you can find out all about that. Uh, if you have any comments, criticisms, you need to get a hold of us. Write us at community at secretmovieclub.com. We want to talk to you. All right, moving on. All 
I am looking at an increasingly looking cozy looking Edwin, although I can see his massive Blu-ray collection in the background. And today we are talking about what is a movie masterpiece? What really makes a movie masterpiece? And have we maybe overused the word and gotten into masterpiece inflation? And how could we talk about movies that have something amazing in them, but aren't masterpieces? Uh, and should we even do that? Does it even matter? Let's start, Edwin. What makes a masterpiece? What makes a movie a masterpiece? Jaws, Black Sunday, King Kong 1976, First Blood. Okay, well, I mean, you're setting this up. I, I would take issue with some of those. I, certainly not Jaws. Jaws is a straight up masterpiece. Uh, so let's let's start with Jaws. That's almost uh, almost everybody acknowledges that that's if there is such a thing as a perfect movie. Jaws that's, that's the perfect movie. A perfect movie, and uh, I think Jaws is great as a as a what you would call a control. I think in a science experiment. Um, the what are the aspects of Jaws, Edwin? To you, why what what makes that movie a masterpiece? Well, one, score, performances, setting, and uh, there's one more. There's another one. What, 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 what I'm looking for. Direction. Spielberg directed the <laughs> movie, even though the shark was a pain in the ass to get it work. But he worked around it to, you know, not show the shark until, like, the final conflict near near the, the ending of the picture. I mean, you see that you see the briefly like, in a couple of shots when uh, it attacks the attacks the guy in a little boat. That's where you see the the first look of the shark. But overall, he worked around it by not showing it to keep being in suspense, keeping it like, wow, wow, like how big is this thing? Like, what does it look like? You know, and it's still terrifying no matter what. Like the opening scene, it just the, the shark just comes in, drags her around like a rag doll, screaming for dear life, and pop goes in one silence. Like, wow, that's terrifying without even seeing the actual thing. That's just amazing. Well, you, you, so I think you've named a lot of things. I, I would agree with you that a masterpiece is where you feel all the elements of the movie are just humming. Uh, it, it's, it, that's the best way I can explain it is when I see a movie that I think is a masterpiece, I actually have kind of a physical, I want a physical reaction to it. A friend described it beautifully. It's like a tuning fork. Um, we, you know, tuning forks, we don't use them as much anymore, but you would hit them against a table and that would be your A or your B or your C or your D in music and they vibrate. So when you hit a tuning fork, you can kind of feel the vibrations. And when I see a movie, uh, or any work of art that I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, this is incredible. I, I feel like the, the film is a tuning fork that I'm vibrating on. And, uh, what's fascinating about Jaws is whether you like art house movies or mainstream movies, whatever your film tastes are, almost everybody loves Jaws. And you also brought up another interesting point, Edwin, which is that uh, you don't need to have had a smooth shoot. In fact, it usually seems sometimes like the shoot, the production of the movie, maybe it's good if it was tough or rough because then the filmmakers have to think super creatively because Jaws is a notoriously horrible shoot. Spielberg, uh, by all accounts, had a bit of a breakdown on it. And mm. um, another movie I think about is uh, The Godfather, Coppola on Godfather 1. Coppola said that was one of the most stressful, miserable experiences he ever had. No one believed him. No one trusted him. Everyone was attacking him. And But The Godfather got made. 
so it's not that your production has to be good. And it, it, Seven Samurai, another masterpiece, in my opinion, the studio shut Seven Samurai down four times and said, we're not going to fund it anymore. And, and Kurosawa kept daring them not to fund it. And then they let him go finish it. So that shoot was also notoriously tough. Um, but, you know, what are some other movies, Edwin, you would call a masterpiece? I know you Man. mentioned like King Kong 76. I think we're getting into, you would say that. I, I would I would call shenanigans on that. I, I don't think King Kong 76 holds a candle to King Kong 31. Look, look man, it's, it's by Schlesinger. It's got the bridges, got the groden, got the ling. All right, it's got an incredible mechanical eight soup done by Rick Baker. All right, has one of the best, you know, um, uh, miniature uh, sets when Kong destroys that uh, that subway car. That's awesome, and especially when it's on top of the World Trade Center. That's awesome. It's amazing. And we fight that snake. I agree with a number of the things you just said there. Uh, I also would throw in, I think King Kong 76 has maybe the greatest uh, King Kong movie poster. Um, I think the King Kong 76 movie poster is actually my favorite part of the movie, along with Jessica Lange. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jessica Lange is is redunculous in that film. Um, But to me, King Kong, to me, it, it was almost the difference where when you mention Jaws, it's the synthesis of all those elements. They all come together, and the movie itself is an uninterrupted joy. Uh, and, and not only is it a joy, a joyful experience to watch as a movie, it is an amazing experience. You're watching a movie, and you're going, holy smoke. I love watching this movie, and the movie making is amazing, and I love the story, and I want to see this movie again and again and again and again. Now, you may feel that about King Kong 76, to me, you were mentioning elements of it. I would say that those elements, they don't synthesize into a great movie. I find King Kong 76 a little slow. Um, I find there are parts of it. This is just me, man. I find some of the characters don't sing the way I wish they would sing. They may be well cast, but I don't think Jeff Bridges actually has a lot to do in that movie. Um, I think Grodin is, is like, his casting is great. But I just don't think that Bridges and Groden, their roles are written all that well. I don't even think Lang's role is written all that well, but she's just like amazing. Um, So this is me. So I think one thing we have to say about masterpieces right off the bat is there's a certain level of personal affection or affinity. One person's masterpiece, you called First Blood a masterpiece. We were talking about First Blood. I know my dad would probably agree with you. I bet you- Oh yeah, I know he would. He would probably agree with me on King Kong 76, man. I don't know about that one. Bro, if we could, was like, uh, King Kong. It was all about just a son. My dad sounds like who did you just sound like right there? You sounded like an actor, not Warren Oates. Kind of sounded Warren Oatesy. Um, but I don't know what my dad would say. We'd either have to channel him through a medium, or he'd have to tell me in a dream, or tell me when you and I go to the afterlife. That'd be great if you and I go to the afterlife, and the first thing is my dad meets both of us, and he's like, "Okay, here's where I agreed with Edwin." Here's why I agreed with Craig. And we'd be like, oh, interesting. But um, the but there is, but my dad, uh, he was in Vietnam. And what I would say would be, I think, oh, yeah. that, I think that first blood for a vet, they would go, wow, 
that got at something about how we really weren't welcomed back uh, the exactly. way that previous people were welcomed back. And uh, so I think if you had had the personal Vietnam experience, you might say that movie was a classic. And if you weren't into action movies, you'd be like, ah, it's not for me. And I think what's interesting about that, Edwin, is you see that a lot. Like, I don't think you're really a huge romantic comedy fan, right? No. What do you think about When Harry Met Sally? That one was okay. I enjoyed it. It's, it's, it's a decent picture. Would you, call it a, would you call it a masterpiece? No. I would. I think When Harry Met Sally gets close to a masterpiece, the only thing that prevents it is I think it's trying to be a Woody Allen movie. A little too much. Oh, no, no. It straight up does. It straight up does. It's trying to be Annie Hall. That's what yeah. it's trying to do. It's trying to be Annie Hall. Well, Annie, Annie Hall, but they, Annie but they end up together. Yeah, exactly. But that's but I love when Harry met Sally and I'm just trying to be brutal right now because I'm about to make a point about how we need to be more brutal. And I can only make that point if I'm walking it like I talk it. So I would say that when Harry met Sally is is I love it. I think it's a great movie. It's a movie I can watch once or twice a year. I don't know, though. It's not quite a masterpiece, even though it's great. And I think there are a lot of movies like that where you're like, oh, I'd watch that movie anytime. You know, like I'll give you another example. Uh, you and I, I think, both love John Cusack comedies. Um, uh -huh. Gross Point Blank, I could watch any day of the week. Masterpiece. Oh, okay, so would you call it a masterpiece? Yes, I think it's the most brilliant dark comedy of all time. I, I might say it's the best dark John Cusack comedy. And so by... I don't know if I can quite, I love it so much though, but there's maybe a little too much improv in that movie. That's perfect the way it is, man. It's, it's straight up perfect. You, 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 you can't, you can't create that again, man. No, you know, you can't read the, the vibe of that movie is, is crazy. Um, and, uh, if it, I highly recommend people see gross point blank, I'm going to have to be brutal on myself right now. I, it's as close to a masterpiece without me being able to call it a masterpiece. I don't think it's a masterpiece. I think it's a great movie. So it's funny. My my rubric would be, you know, bad, okay, good, very good, great, masterpiece. I call Gross Point Blank great. Um, what about how do we feel about Raiders of the Lost Ark? Masterpiece. Masterpiece. There's no question about it. Right. Okay. But I'm just I'm just sort of like trying to find our footing here. Uh, what do we feel about Goodfellas? Also masterpiece. Masterpiece. Right. I'm I'm, I'm naming the ones I think we would agree on. So this, this right, yeah. is like there's no disagreement here. And and no. what do we feel? How do you what do you feel about the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Don't care for it. I would call it a masterpiece. So there we diverge. What do you <sighs> think about Zodiac? Masterpiece. Masterpiece. Right. Okay. So, th so there you go. And it, we're just naming a few. What do you think about, um, here's an interesting one. What do you think about Lost in Translation? It's okay. It's a, it's a good movie. I think it, now here's a funny thing. I think Lost in Translation has big problems. Uh, I think mm. when you see it enough, you realize it's about two white people that don't want to really engage with Japanese culture. Uh, right. I think you also realize it's about two people with a lot of money dealing with yeah. with uh, problems that rich people have. Um, nevertheless, I would say that Lost in Translation is a masterpiece because I do think it's it's a story I believe happened. 
Uh, I believe it's it's true. I think there's truth to it. I enjoy it greatly. I think it's one of Bill Murray's best performances in the 21st century. I think he you can't undervalue what he brings to that movie. And mm. I think it, it brings a vibe and a mood, but I can understand people too who don't like it. Let's name a few more. Uh, what do you think about Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love? I haven't seen it, but I already know it'll, it'll be a masterpiece in my book. Yeah, I think you would probably, even if you say I don't care for it, but I think it's a masterpiece. So, mm. the, the, what, so what's interesting is I find with movies that are masterpieces, you get 90%. I'm going to create a definition. You get 90% of people, no matter where they come from, going, that's a masterpiece. Uh, when you get to like 60, 70%, maybe it's it divides people and it becomes more personal or subjective. Um, so here's an interesting thing, Edwin, that I wanted to get get out in the podcast today. Uh, mm. the, well, let's just let's wrap up this part. So what makes a masterpiece? I think we've agreed it's uh, sort of consensus. There's a lot of agreement. I think that's you, you. You can feel safe knowing it's a masterpiece if most people. You and I were saying masterpiece at the same time, so right. that that's sort of when you know. Okay, that movie is probably a masterpiece. Um, consensus: uh, the fact that it's that it's endured. I think you have to say that if if we're still watching a movie a hundred years later, forty years later, thirty years later, probably a big contender for being a masterpiece. Um, if it's a movie that transcends its time. It's interesting to watch. Like, for instance, here's an interview. What do you think about the movie What's Up, Doc? Peter Bogdanovich's What's Up, Doc? I haven't seen it, but I would call it. But it, I, I know it's like one of the greatest comedies ever made. Could be a masterpiece. I don't know. I gotta watch it. So yeah. Let me name another one then. What do you think about? Because I'm, I'm gonna try to make a point here. You'll understand the point I'm making when I say. Uh, what do you think about a movie like, um, the airport movie? Oh, easy. Masterpiece. Okay. <laughs> I think you and I would disagree on those. But I would say that they're of their time. I don't know that the airport movies really transcend their time. The way... Well, it goes downhill after after Concord. That's where it draws. Were, but movie, there were airport movies made after Concord? I thought that was the last one. No, no. I, I, when it, well, actually, let me phrase that. When it stops at, at Concord, it died. But when it gets to 77... Those two, those two movies between masterpiece, man. Airport, nineteen seventy-five. Airport, seventy-seven. Man, you got Heston, you got Lemon, you got Lancaster, you got Dean Martin, man. You got all these, th these three main guys in all these movies. They're like, like, yeah. So here we go. So actually, this brings up a really important point. This is going to transition us quite nicely. So then, there's probably a different kind of masterpiece that we have to acknowledge, which is where it's a masterpiece for you personally, but other people might disagree. Because for instance, you're going off on the airport movies and I'm I'm laughing to myself because I'm like those in my head, here's my inner model. I'm like, those aren't masterpieces. What's Edwin talking about? <laughs> like- I know I'm right, Craig. All right. I know I'm right. Dude, I got to see airport twice on 70 millimeter, man. Like, yes. And I'm sure it was, a, I'm sure it was a blast. I would love to see Airport on 70. I'm sure it was great. I'm sure Earthquake is yeah, a blast on 70. Oh, Earthquake's the masterpiece. Another okay. great masterpiece, Earthquake. I, but I would argue that I don't see 
these movies popping up on uh, best lists. I don't see these movies talked about all the time, the way that Jaws or Goodfellas are, is talked about all the time. Uh, yeah, they good... don't care, Craig. They don't care about these fabulous motion pictures. But now here's a movie that I think is a masterpiece that I think a lot of people would probably argue with me on, which is I'm a huge fan of Igmar Bergman's Winter Life. Now you can have that. Right. Because a lot of people, you and I, you're not a Bergman fan. And what is it about Bergman that you don't like? I think you already know the answer to that, Craig. But but elucidate the audience, Edwin, because this will help us understand the next tier of personal mass, like subjective masterpiece. I know a lot of people would agree with me that Bergman makes masterpieces, but I'm also not um, in denial. I know a lot of people, including my father, uh, hated Bergman. And what are the yeah. things? what are the things about Bergman that you don't like? Slowness, death, and strange imagery. That's a pretty good summation of Bergman. Slowness, death, and strange imagery. Uh, and I would say that I find Bergman, first off, I think a lot, there are many of his movies that are pretty upbeat uh, that would surprise people. Uh, Smiles on a Summer Night is uh, Fanny and Alexander. Uh, even a movie that gets dark like Summer with Monica, there's actually a lot of upbeat stuff in it. But anyway, um, the, I love Bergman because he's so creative. He was so productive. Even a Bergman movie, the only Bergman movie I actively have no desire ever to see again is The Magician. The Face, The Magician. I that that Magician, one of the worst movies ever made. I thought that was Bergman doing a Bergman. Uh, I was like this. I he's. It felt like a self parody. But but what I'm saying is that I love Bergman. A lot of people love Bergman. A lot of people consider Bergman a master. But. Also, a lot of people go, that's too depressing, it's too bleak, it's too dark. Uh, not for me, and I understand it. Now, what about when, in, 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 in this day and age, something that irks me, and it might not irk you, is when I, I go to post our social media, and a film organization will be doing a movie like, and I'm not trying to knock this movie, but what, what's the movie that Tom Atkins is in? It's not Halloween 3, but it's the other one that everyone always shows. Oh, Night of the Creeps. Okay, what would you say about that? Nashpiece, one of the best zombie movies ever made. You were, you, were you, the right, you were the right person for this one. So for me, I haven't seen it, so I have to be agnostic on it. I will never, ever, ever. I'm not trying to not until I see a movie, but it's hard for me to believe that Night of the Creeps is a masterpiece. What I mean? You got Tom Atkins fighting the undead, man. Says all these great one-liners. One of the best special effects on that movie, especially when it comes to the zombies, has some of the best gnarliest kills ever. And also, you got dude that was dead in the 1950s coming back to life, and he's all decomposed of bone. And like smiles like evilly, like bah, 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 and shoots. I'm like, oh my God, that's you, you don't make movies like that anymore, man. Night of the Creeps is a masterpiece, the best zombie movie ever made, hands down. You're wrong, Craig. You gotta show it on 35 the way it was meant to be. Better than George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. No comment. Better than George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. I prefer the remake. Better than Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. No comment on that one. So, okay, so, so my only point here is you're saying no comment because you don't want to go on the record saying it's better than Dawn of the Dead because in your heart of hearts, you know Dawn of the Dead, Romero's Dawn of the Dead is better than, than Night of the Creeps. But here's my point on that, though. 
I bet if I saw Night of the Creeps, I'd love it. I love zombie movies. I love Tom Atkins. I'm not trying to make the point that that Night of the Creeps is bad. That's not even that's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make, though, is that when we call a movie a masterpiece, it's it's the kind of film that everybody at the same time would probably say masterpiece or nine out of 10 people would say masterpiece. If you said Night of the Creeps, what's interesting about that one is I think that one's become a cult hit and it's especially oh, yeah, it is. and I think it's especially become a cult hit among rap theater people. So, there, you know, like there's another movie that, and again, I haven't seen it. And I'm so I'm bringing up all these examples that I haven't seen. I might agree, but I've noticed recently a lot of people call Jennifer's Body a masterpiece. Have you seen that oh, one? God. Yeah, it's whatever. Is it a masterpiece? No, no, it's not. It's not a masterpiece. Well, Is this, you know, cult movie? But my my point would be, and I haven't seen it, so I, I'm kind of treading into uh, dangerous water here because I don't want to, until I may see that movie and go, that movie sucked. Or I may go see that movie and go, oh, that movie is a masterpiece. What I might say, though, about a movie like Jennifer's Body or a movie like Night of the Creeps is there might be a message, a performance, an aspect of the movie that was totally overlooked, totally amazing. And I think that people like Scorsese and Tarantino are good ambassadors of this, where they tell you, oh, you know, like Scorsese's always saying, oh, you got to see um, like Gene Tierney and leave her to heaven uh, because of this amazing sequence where she lets her stepbrother drown or whatever. Uh, not stepbrother, I guess it's her brother-in-law drown and the Technicolor, this and that. Now I want to see leave her to heaven. Leave her to heaven may very well be a masterpiece. But I think Scorsese's point is, even if Lever to Heaven isn't a masterpiece, there are things in Lever to Heaven that you should see that'll 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 uh, inspire you. And I feel sometimes when people talk about Jennifer's Body or Night of the Creeps or uh, other movies, when they call it a masterpiece, what they're saying is there's some aspect of it that's incredible, that's amazing, and that's not as sexy as calling something a masterpiece. And by the way, you can't fight the ocean. You're just a drop in the ocean. So if the wave is saying it's a masterpiece, you just got to let it be and do your own thing, be your drop. But I, 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 I think because you and I, Edwin, are involved in uh, film writing and run it. You know, we have a film organization, and we're we're trying to be part of this chapter of cinema in our lifetimes. I would just put to people that I, and maybe I can only do what I can do. I am. I will only call something a masterpiece. I think masterpieces are rare, and so I will use the word in rare instances. All other times, I'm going to call a movie by something else. Might call it excellent. Might call it great. Might say this part of it is amazing, but I'm not going to call it a masterpiece. Are you bothered mm -hmm. by people calling movies masterpieces? You're like, that's not a masterpiece, or do you not care? Do you think it doesn't really matter? No, I know. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. Like, like, what do you say about like? I don't know. My persona. You, I'm pretty sure you call it a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. Yeah, it's so wrong. It's so wrong. I think you're wrong. I think I think I think you're 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 insane. Um, that movie's not great. It's not a masterpiece. Um, I I, I take over Love and Death for me. That I I consider a masterpiece. That's what that movie should have been, in my opinion. I'm just saying. 
I love Love and Death. I think Love and Death is the best comedy Woody Allen ever made. Out and out comedy. Oh, oh hell yeah. yeah. It, it, it's true way Bergman should have made movies just like that. <laughs> but it's a parody of a Bergman movie. It's like the airplane of Bergman movies. I know, that, but I prefer that out of anything that man has ever done. That I'll take and well, watch over and over and over again. And so again, we come back to that point. And I'm glad, I'm glad you and I are the ones talking here. Um we come back to that point of subjective masterpiece or personal masterpiece. I feel perfectly comfortable calling Persona a masterpiece. I think Persona is one of the greatest movies ever made, but I fully respect a whole bunch of people watch Persona and go, what is this? This movie makes no sense. It's slow. It's depressing. It's got weird imagery, all the things you said. Um, it, it, so it, just to wrap this up, because this was always going to be kind of a, a punchy podcast. This wasn't going to be one of our long ones. Um, Going forward, when we talk about movies, whether it's in a podcast or a blog or in film writing, do you think it's a better policy to be sparing in using the word masterpiece? Or do you think you can't fight it? People are just going to, where we live in the age of social media, where people get really excited and they just post and they call things great and you just got to let time decide it. Do you think it, it, it? Do you think it might be good to have a campaign to tell movie people, "Hey, let's cut down on the use of masterpiece"? Or do you think, Edwin, you can't fight that? Just do your thing. You can't fight, do your thing, because I say it all the time. When I see a movie like, well, for instance, like West Side Story, when I walk to that theater and I, t- and I tell Kyle this, like, dude, that was a masterpiece right there. And when we saw Wild Bunch, and I told Kyle this too, like, oh, Kyle, this. Is- Masterpiece, man. There's no movie like this at all, and you you just gotta feel it. I for me, I I felt it when I saw the movie. Like those are automatic masterpieces. But when people see other things, like okay, that's that, that's their thing. That's that's what they think it is, but not for me. Got it. And I would I would end this one by oh. saying, uh, just in this short conversation we've had, my succinct feeling is, you know. You do. I do believe in that saying that's often attributed, I think, to Gandhi. Um, but maybe Gandhi yeah. got it from someone too, which is be the change you want to see in the world. Uh, ultimately, the only person you have control over is you. Ultimately, uh, you don't. The idea that you control anybody else, first off, is the wrong way of thinking, and and I struggle with that because I have control issues. Uh, and that's really an issue because no one likes to be controlled. No one likes to be told what to do. Uh, and I don't. When people do it to me, I get furious. Uh, so why would you do it to anyone else? Number one. Uh, number two, the notion, you, you know, you have to accept there's a you have to accept that there's a, just tons that you have no control over. So I would say for me, I want to have a campaign in my whatever time God gives me left uh, to be part of cinema. I want to be very sparing when I call something a masterpiece so that people know at least when they're hearing me, if they, if they're interested in what I have to say, they'll go, wow, you know, Craig doesn't really call a lot of things a masterpiece. And in fact, he's pretty brutal about that. So if he says that I'm interested, I want to see what that movie is, whether I agree with it or not. So at the very least, maybe I can be that change. So when I do call something a masterpiece, if people are following secret movie club or listening, they'll go, oh, I know he doesn't say that often. So if he says that, I'm curious about that movie. Maybe it'll have some currency, some purchase, some weight. 
We'll see. Okay. Edwin. Yeah. There you go. Fun work. Uh, okay. Pop culture. Final thoughts. Man, I've still been watching movies nonstop. I saw Thanksgiving on 35. It was what, great. Yeah. What's your review? How did he, how did it compare to the Grindhouse trailer? Um, it's no Grindhouse, I'll tell you that. But, you know, it, it, it was still Eli Roth. I still felt like the amount of like kills he does in a movie, very practical on some of them. He does the bits from the, from the trailer, but I won't say it because I don't want to give it away. You should see it for yourself, but he did mess up on one thing that's about and um that didn't go full on the way i thought it would go but you know it's whatever um i want to yeah, see it really you should see it you should see it the, the best amount 35 before it goes away tomorrow no oh wow today's the last day yeah mind, today's the last day not happening i have a, a baby girl baby daughter very fun print scope picture i hear you Scope. Any others? Thanksgiving. Uh, Eli Roth. Uh, let me see. Um, oh, Revisited Get Shorty. <sighs> Amazing. Masterpiece, as always. One of the best, you know, John Travolta movies of all time. I'd say very good. Craig, f- you. There it is. All right, that's, a, that's, a, that's what you get, Craig. Get, get f- you, man. Anything else? That movie's amazing. Um... No, I like it, Shorty, a lot. Hackman's in it. How can yeah. you not like a movie with Hackman? But without with, any yeah. movie with Hackman is already good. It's, consider it a motion picture masterpiece, man. It's directed well. It's funny. It's fun. It's Elmore Leonard. Yeah, I would exactly, say man. I would say very good. Very good. Anyway, anything else? That's wrong. It's about it, but I'm going I'm to hold you to that, man. I'm going to hold you to that. The And I will say, I, I hinted at it in the last podcast, I was surprised how much I loved, uh, well, love is probably because I think it has problems and flaws. I was surprised how much I really, really liked Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm. Did you see it? Not yet. I was hoping for a film print, but nope, we never got it. I know. Yeah, I hate it. I, I went and I saw it, and I'll tell you, I hated that it was projected digitally. I hated it. I was, I, 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 one of the things I do agree with Tarantino on pretty strongly is most digital projection feels like you're just watching a Blu-ray. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, you know, I go to this theater. I'm happy to give them money. I want to support theaters. I don't care. They, look, I, because I run a theater, I know we all got to do what we got to do. Like, you got nothing but love and heart from me. But it is dispiriting to go see a movie and be like, this is like a Blu-ray, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. That being said, uh, you know, I wrote about Killers of the Flower Moon so people can read about it in our Secret Movie Club blog. But I think Scorsese's been on a roll ever since Wolf of Wall Street. I don't think he's made a bad movie. Uh, and in fact, I'll go beyond that. I think every movie he's made since Wolf of Wall Street is either great or a masterpiece. Uh, I would say Wolf of Wall Street, I think it's a masterpiece. Uh, I got to say, I love it. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. I, I know it's problematic, but I, I think it's one of the great greatest movies he's ever made. Then he goes, he makes Silence, Masterpiece. Also, also that, yeah. Then he makes Irishman, Masterpiece. Masterpiece. And I would say Killers may, I would say Killers is either great or a Masterpiece. My only knocks on it are, um, 
I don't know why his movies have to be three and a half hours right now. He is trying to make an epic, and and that I get. I feel like he's trying to do Giant or Ben-Hur or East of Eden. I definitely think he's making his 1950s epic, and I get that. Um, and it I mean, feels like a game to New York. Yeah, but, but I just don't know that this film, I was, I just don't know it had to be three and a half hours. I, but I think the performances are incredible. I, I think this may be one of Leonardo DiCaprio's best performances. Um, it, 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 the movie is devastating in how people lie to themselves. Uh, I, I really, ultimately what I walked away from the movie with was this feeling on how people can justify and rationalize being bad and how all of us look at ourselves as the smart ones in our lives. We look at ourselves as the heroes in our lives, but a lot of people may look at us as uh, villains or a lot of people may look at us as dumb or a lot of people may look at us as not effective. And all three of the main characters, uh, uh, Lily Gladstone, DiCaprio and De Niro, they all lie to themselves. Uh, and I thought the movie was fascinating. And I, I got to say, I think De Niro gives another Jimmy Conway kind of performance. He doesn't give the same performance he gives in Goodfellas, but I think his performance as uh, Bill Hale in this movie is going to grow. He does some things in this movie. Uh, and you should see it. I don't want to ruin it for you, Edwin. But De Niro, you're like, he's still got it. His performance is really fascinating um, and really unsettling. So anyway, we'll end there. Uh as always, uh, thank you guys for listening to our podcasts. Uh, Secret Movie Club Podcast 162 will be about Rumblefish, a movie that Francis Ford Coppola actually considers one of his best and his daughter Sophia Coppola considers his best. And we're going to talk about Francis Ford Coppola. I don't think we've ever devoted a complete pod to Coppola. So uh, I will have to look at that, but I don't think we have. So Rumblefish, which we're screening uh, December 7th, come check it out. I, it's one of my favorite Coppolas. I, I put Rumblefish up there in probably top five Coppolas. Let me, anything else? Uh, just, uh, you know, I, I hate things who got married. I don't like that movie a lot. Okay, got it. All right. So we're gonna, we're, we're gonna excuse for a time travel movie. Okay, we're gonna save that for uh, for the bot. Uh, as always, thank you, Secret Movie Clubbers. You can write us at secretmovieclub.com. I'm sorry, you can write us at community at secretmovieclub.com. Find out about everything we're doing at secretmovieclub.com and Eventbrite. It's wonderful to be doing the podcast again, Edwin. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Rob. I love you, family. Adios, America.